episode of Fat Girl Book Club. For this episode, we are continuing our conversation about intuitive eating by Evelyn Tribolet and Elise Resch. So I have a list of things that I want to talk to you about, so I'm going to try to keep all of this to a minimum. The first thing that I want to talk to you about, I'm telling you about right up front and right now because it's happening today. (laughs) So on the same day that you could download this episode, Thursday, April the 1st, I am actually going to be on an Instagram live. Uh, And it's the first one that I've ever done with another group of people. Uh, I'm going to be chatting with the lovely ladies of Limitless by Scandalous. And they have a regular conversation going every Thursday that they call Convos with Vino. And uh, this is all about, you know, women's self-confidence and empowerment. And I'm jumping on to a conversation with them where we're going to be discussing body positivity versus body neutrality. So if sometimes the language that kind of comes up in some of these books is a little bit confusing or maybe... Uh, it's just hard to even contemplate, you know, loving yourself just as you are. This is a great conversation because it's going to be talking about really a primer about what are some kind of first steps to get ourselves to a place where we can love the bodies that we're in. This is happening today on Instagram, today being Thursday, April the 1st on Instagram, uh, at 4 p.m. Pacific time and 7 p.m. Eastern time. So if you're able to make it, I would so love to see you there. I would just love to be able to get a group of people coming on and just enjoying this conversation because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's the day before my birthday. Uh, I get to have wine, which I don't have very often, guys. Uh, So it definitely could be interesting, if nothing else. Okay, a couple other things. First of all, if you enjoy this conversation that I have with Shadow, where we are chatting about intuitive eating and body acceptance, and we really do get into one of the principles of intuitive eating that discusses body respect, you like all this stuff, it sounds interesting to you, then uh, you might need some resources to start off your journey. I have one for you. It's called the Your Better Body Image Checklist. And if you go to my website, IWishIWereMe.com, you're going to find a big button right up at the top to grab a copy of it. It is a checklist, so you can actually take a pen and check things off. And it gives you a few very practical things that you can do to start you on this journey. If you're really liking that and you want to take this a step further because I am a book podcast, I have a virtual book club and right now it is free. We are finishing up and so if you're listening to this in real time when it comes out, we will have just finished up the book Body Respect by Lindo Bacon and Lucy Aframore. Fantastic read. And we're going to be jumping into The Body is Not an Apology, so it's a great time to get into that book club. All you have to do to be in that book club is be on my email list. And the way to do that is to grab your copy of the Your Better Body Image Checklist. So what happens is once you're on my email list, then every Wednesday you will get an email from me. And it's a pretty comprehensive email. It's got a video from me uh, just talking about, you know, my thoughts on the section of the book that we're reading. It's got uh, some of the main points for each of the chapters that we've read. It has some discussion questions. It has some journaling questions. It has some quotes from the book. Uh, And in that email, you will also find the complete list of books for the rest of the year. So if you are one to read ahead, you can know all the different things that we're going to be talking about. So that's kind of cool and exciting. And I, I hope you will get in on that because... I also have a Facebook group, which is uh, a place where hopefully we will have these types of conversations, some discussion really about the books that we are reading. And that's only going to get bigger. I do a book giveaway in there once a month for the upcoming book. And, uh, you know, we just kind of chat about some of those main themes. So if you want to get into that Facebook group, all you need to do really is uh, hopefully you get on my email list and when you get that first email, it will tell you where to go to find that 
or you can search in Facebook for the Better Body Image Book Club. The next thing I want to mention is that if you do have a copy of the Better Body Image Checklist and you've gone through it and you've done some of those things, but there are a lot of things you have questions about and there's a lot of things that you think you need some guidance about, I do a free coaching call. It's no obligation. It's just a chance to meet somebody else. And hopefully when we meet, I can give you one or two tips that are very kind of key to what's going on with your situation. And all you have to do to get that free coaching call is on the top of my website, iwishiwereme.com, right up at the top, there's a big button. And that's where you'll find the Calendly link. And you can just go ahead and book a time and I will connect with you over Zoom and we will have a really great chat. Uh, Again, no obligation, 30 minutes. And I would just love to be able to know a little bit more about your situation and hopefully give you some tips to help you do things like create boundaries, uh, maybe even some more book recommendations if that's what you need, discussing negative thoughts, talking about gentle nutrition and what that means. Uh, These types of things to kind of try to help you along on your journey. Okay, and the last thing I want to talk about is something I'm throwing around in my head, and I have no idea if anybody would be interested in it, but I would really like to put it out there to see what happens. Uh, I am thinking of having a couple of very brief two to three minute ad spots for people who have written body acceptance books that... uh, maybe other people don't know about because they didn't hit the, you know, the indigo, uh, email list for newsletters or, uh, you know, they, they didn't hit the New York times bestsellers list. So these are books that, uh, maybe people just don't even realize are out there. Maybe they're self-published and, uh, it would be an opportunity to talk a little bit about your book in front of a group of people who are very interested in body acceptance books. If that is of any interest to you, if that is something that you think, you know, might be a good fit for your book, let me know. Please just, you can give me an email. It's, uh, my email address is jenradke at iwishiwereme.com. So Jen is J-E-N-N and Radke is R-A-D-K-E at iwishiwereme.com. Or you can, if you get on my email list and you get one of those new letters, just reply to it. It comes right to me. And then maybe we can have a chat about whether or not it might fit in with, uh, with kind of what you're looking to do. Okay. Now I want to talk a little bit about my guest shadow. I am so excited to be presenting you with this discussion because honestly, I had so much fun talking to Shadow and you can probably tell that as we're chatting. I had so much fun, maybe too much fun talking to Shadow. Uh, (laughs) And going through each of these principles one by one really allowed me to do my own little tally about whether or not I have been invested in my intuitive eating journey. One of the really great things I think about intuitive eating, and I think it is probably for me, uh, anecdotally is probably the, one of the biggest reasons I know that I am not on a diet when it comes to intuitive eating is that these things started to happen naturally without me actually having to focus on them. So for me, I didn't really, I found out about intuitive eating. I started with trying to track my hunger on the hunger scale that they talk about in the honor your hunger principle. And I got discouraged because I couldn't feel my hunger. I really couldn't. It was really frustrating to me that I I just, I couldn't feel it. So I stopped and I really just kind of put the book down and walked away from it for a good long year. During that time, I I, uh, read The Fuck It Diet, which is another book that kind of covers, um, you know, relationship to food. There's a lot of other things there too, but you know, it does cover that. And that book felt like more of a permission for me to eat. So I just started eating. And at some point along the way, I began to recognize my hunger. All of a sudden I could, I could find it. And it was like, oh, that's what it feels like to be not so hungry that I would eat absolutely anything. That's what it feels like to be mildly hungry. I began to make some distinctions. And that's when I knew that I wasn't on a diet. Intuitive eating is not a diet. It 
if you just let yourself be yourself, intuitive eating will happen naturally. Anyway, this was a great little discussion to just see how many of these things have fallen into place for me. And quite a few of them have, as you already heard. So we're going to finish up with the last principles. So we actually cover the uh, last five principles in this discussion. And I hope that you enjoy it. Let me tell you again a little bit about Shadow. Shadow Ball is an artist and writer that lives in Toronto with her husband and cute chihuahua named Gertrude. She runs the Instagram account, The Word Fat. Her one rule for contributing to this Instagram account is to be compassionate about and curious about the feelings that come up for you when creating with the word fat. She also contributed an essay to the anthology Big, Stories About Life in Plus Size Bodies, published in 2020 by Caitlin Press. Overall, she is funny, creative, and a little bit intense. So true. Uh, if you love this conversation as much as I did with Shadow, uh, just be aware that this is probably not the last that you're hearing of Shadow on my podcast, which is exciting. Okay, I don't think I have anything else. I have talked your ear off. <laughs> but that's okay. I think you needed to know all the things that are happening over here uh, in Fat Girl Book Club land. So uh, I'm excited for you to hear the rest of this conversation with Shadow Ball. All right, like I said, I know we'll get to emotional eating and I know you've yeah, probably great. got some thoughts on that too, but we'll finish off with feel your fullness. That's principle six. Mm-hmm. Uh how has that, what was it like in terms of a comparison between trying to find your hunger versus trying to find your fullness? Uh, so this is still a harder one for me. This is the mm-hmm. one I still struggle mm-hmm. with. Okay. Um, because similarly, like, yeah, like eating past the point of comfort was comforting for so long that, uh, you know, uh, feeling my fullness too. And I know like, I'm going to contradict something I said earlier, there's still one food I can't bring into my house. So ice cream's good. Chocolate's good. Chips are good. Cheesy crackers, whether they're goldfish or sweet, the Swiss cheese ones or Cheez-Its or cheese dips, any kind of cracker where like half of the ingredient list is like fake cheese. (laughs) Yes. I can't be around it. I I, I I will be full and I will still be eating them. Like I, and I'll be like, I, I have to stop. I'm like, I'll like, I'll put them like in another part of the pantry and be like, I can't, I'll, I'll only eat half of the box and I'll put them away. So now they're just not a safe food. I just can't have cheesy crackers in my house because I will ignore my fullness to eat cheesy crackers. <laughs> so, and I don't know what the fuck that's about. Like, I have no idea. They're not good. They're like a little salty, sure. Like, but yeah, I can't, like what? Oh, it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> and then a couple other times now too, like I, I have felt my fullness to the point where like I get sick, right? And now similarly to how we talked about like feeling your hunger I used to kind of recognize those signs and be like okay well shut up like I'm eating right now (laughs) but now it's like when I start to get too full I can actually be like oh my god like I don't want to throw up again I don't want to have like a purge induced by too much food like and I can actually like put it aside and again it's so weird or like I'll feel guilty like let's say like if my husband made like veggie burgers for dinner I'll want to have two but like, it's like, oh, but then I have one and I'm like, well, I'm satisfied. And if I have a second one, I'm going to be past the point of satisfied, but he put the work in and I kind of feel like I want to show him how much mm-hmm. I appreciate that work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, because we have these conversations so openly, <laughs> I can be like, oh, hey, I'm just, I'm going to eat this later. And then if I don't, no big deal. But if I do, great. Like, you know, um, but like, like there's so many things that are involved in eating that aren't the eating part. Like there's, and you just have to take a second sometimes to really ask yourself these questions. And that's why you're not allowed to like, not allowed to, because then we're putting rules back on it. But this is why you should try to avoid getting too hungry. Because I feel like once you get too hungry, these decisions or double checking with yourself gets harder. 
like it, it's harder to check to be like oh what am I really wanting right now or what I don't know there's something to that too <laughs> I totally agree. I totally mm-hmm. agree. I, I I do feel like it's a fine line. Like I feel like I, I put myself into this. In some ways, I, I put as much effort and attention into this as I would have a diet where sure. I am, you know, trying to figure out my hunger, trying to figure out my fullness. And now I've gotten to a point where I feel fairly comfortable with what I'm eating and why I'm eating and what my body's doing as I'm eating. Um, and I've gotten to a point now where there are days, cause I'm a planner, I'm a type A and it sounds nice. like with your binders <laughs> and your stuff that, 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 you know, when you get involved in something, you're, you're kind of yeah. all in. And I've had to pull myself back from giving myself, um, not meal plans, but like writing out at the beginning of the day, what I'm going to eat mm-hmm. because not, not for any kind of dietary purposes where I want to lose weight, but more so that I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to make sure that, you know, I'm eating enough and that I'm, right. and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, yeah. I know myself and I know that I will start putting myself in a diet mentality and I will start just eating the food that's on the list because it's on the list. Mm-hmm. And I will start eating all of it because, you know, with a diet, you such small quantities. So so I just mm-hmm. know myself in that way. And then, and then I'm not, then I'm stopping to listen to my hunger cues. So I kind of feel right. like it's such a fine line to figure out what is going to work and what's going to work on an individual level for every person in terms of how and why they're eating. Yeah, I think, um, oh yeah, cause we're not going to get back to this. Uh, so individual things are really important. Uh, something I was going to bring up is, uh, I've recently, not recently, I would say maybe like two years ago, found out about different allergies I had. Mm-hmm. And mostly they were like cherries and other kind of stone fruits, as well as raw carrots and raw red pepper. I was having like an oral reaction to these. And it, like, it was like I almost had Novocaine in my mouth. <laughs> like my mouth would literally get fuzzy. Oh, wow. But I was like, but these are the healthy foods. I'm eating fruit. I'm eating veggies. Like I'm, I love having baby carrots for lunch, but then it would be like every time my tongue would feel fuzzy (laughs) and I was like, "Mm, that's probably not great. And then we got to, I got tested for it and everything was all good, but something that I maybe missed on my report or whatever, I don't know how it happened, but I missed tomatoes that had come up as part of my report. So about three months ago, I was reminded by my doctor that tomatoes are an allergy for me. Because <laughs> um, she was just like going, we were, we were going over that report for like a medication allergy contradiction thing. So she starts listing all the things. And I'm like, yeah, cherries, yeah, red pepper is still a problem. And she's like, and what about tomato? And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know tomato was on the list. <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, it is. <laughs> So maybe stop eating tomatoes. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. And, you know, just kind of like, like took it and like, like whatever, walked away. Um, And not to get TMI, but the consistency of my bowel movements has changed dramatically since cutting out tomatoes. And it's like, how did I not know? How did I, here I was thinking I was like healthifying every meal being like, Oh, I'm going to have like, if I got a breakfast sandwich, I always added tomatoes. Cause then it was like kind of healthy or like, you know, if we were having pizza, it was like, well, there's tomato sauce on the pizza. That makes it fine. <laughs> and it was like all these other times where I'd be like, oh, like it must just be that I'm eating an unhealthy food. That's why I'm having like bad bowel movements. <laughs> and no, it was just a tomato allergy the whole time. So now I can actually eat pizza with like an olive oil sauce and not be sick. <laughs> so that individual I'll like bet. what like what does work for you yes. until you can actually like like dig deep into this stuff like you would never think like something like tomatoes would be such a trigger for someone but like again I wasn't even it wasn't even on my radar at all to think about like because I wasn't having the oral reaction to it right like like my mouth doesn't get fuzzy when I eat tomatoes right like like I was like oh did you ever eat I'm guessing part of it was maybe you weren't eating them individually. Like you were eating them with something. No, Did that maybe help? I loved, I, I loved to buy like a, Oh, you'd eat them on their own. Cherry oh, tomatoes. Funny. Those yeah. cherry tomatoes. Those were yeah. my favorite. 
Oh my God, forget about it. Cherry tomatoes and Swiss cheese crackers. That was my lunch for like years. (laughs) And now neither of them, neither of them are in my house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's such an individualized thing. I mean, you know that those things bother your system and and it's made a very big difference to, to cut them out. Yeah. Um, yeah. whereas if I was just to pick up on that and go, Oh, well, tomatoes and baby carrots, I shouldn't be eating those. Those aren't healthy. It'd be a diet rule and it would be completely against intuitive eating. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's the whole point of this is, is to make it work for you and your body and to avoid the outside external factors that come into play big time because of the world we live in. And that's the hard part. Uh, let's jump over to emotional eating. I've already said my piece on emotional eating. So principle seven is all about coping with your emotions with kindness. So Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts around emotional eating? Uh, I think all eating is emotional. I don't, I don't think, uh, (laughs) I honestly, like, I, I don't think it's bad to be an emotional eater. I think, um, like your hunger cues are an emotion. <laughs> like that's, I, I don't know. That's how I feel about it. Um, I also due to my ADHD, uh, have emotional regulation issues. It turns mm-hmm. out. Um, so I'm starting a coaching program in March to kind of work on some of that, but like, my emotional range I always was kind of like well I'm an actor I'm a performer like I'm just dramatic (laughs) you know but being like that kind of dramatic without any kind of outlet of course it's going to drive you to like just powering down anything that makes you feel powerful like that's that was part of it for me and I I want to say it wasn't I want to be like oh no I was just eating it because like but no like finishing a pint of ice cream or finishing a bag of chips like it made me feel complete like there was like and it was always about the finishing of it it was never about whether I got like a small bag or a big bag of chips like finishing it was like part of it and I think it's because like in my life there was so much going on that wasn't getting finished there were so many things that were just kind of up in the air but then there's also an emotional aspect to not eating so I think you know, I, I just, I, I wish we could get away from this idea that like emotional eating is overeating because I think under eating is also very emotional. So I think we have to kind of, again, individually meet ourselves where we're at and kind of figure out like, when are we punishing ourselves through not eating because we feel out of control? And when are we like celebrating ourselves by eating? And when are we also punishing ourselves by overeating? Like it's it's such a weird concept for me. Um, and also like as a kid, because I was so dramatic and didn't grow up in a dramatic family, it was always kind of like embarrassing, like how dramatic I was all the time. So I've really learned to kind of put like a cap on it, but that cap can be like really stifling for myself. Um, so before COVID, I was taking like, clown classes, improv classes, burlesque, like anything to get this energy out of my body. And now it's like, I'm worried about like, right now I live in this tiny apartment. I don't have a backyard. I don't have any way to kind of like move my body in a way that's like really relieving um, in that same way. I mean, I can, but then I'll like knock something off a shelf and then I'm mad at myself for knocking something off a shelf. So then I just don't even do it. (laughs) Right. So it's like, uh, like coping with your emotions with kindness is like just where I'm at right now about my whole life. But I also, yeah, I just don't think emotional eating is a thing because I just think eating is a thing or under eat. I, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. But that's how I feel about it. And they do talk a little bit at the beginning of that chapter, especially about how they have lots of clients who come in and think that they're emotional eaters. And then they realize that they actually just weren't eating enough. Like they weren't actually honoring their physical hunger. And when they started doing that, they realized they weren't actually emotional eaters, which I think is really interesting and speaks to our culture and what we place culturally around this idea of emotionally eating. Like that's just kind of, yeah, to me, it's like, oh, wow. And actually I kind of get that because I think I felt a little bit 
of the same thing because I don't think I'm a huge emotional eater. I think sometimes I can be a distracted eater, but I don't think that I turn to food as much as other people maybe do. And uh, I, I don't find it, I don't find it a stress release all that much for me to eat, especially now, I guess a few years into the journey, especially now it's sort of like it's lost its luster. Um. <laughs> yeah. And I, that was almost something I had to grieve because like, it was like, that was so exciting. And when I felt yes. bored, it was such an exciting way to like deal with that boredom. And now I have to find other ways to be excited. <laughs> exactly. No, I totally agree. I totally yeah. feel that way too. I think that's why I'm still doing what I'm doing where it's like after dinner, I have something that I call quote unquote dessert and I won't eat that during the, re during the rest of the day. I kind of try to save it for night. And it's like, I think that's part of part of all this, but like I said before, I, I at least I'm aware of it and I know it. Yeah. You know, I know what's happening. I know what's happening. I'll work. Yeah. Out. And I mean, this maybe happens. that's not all that bad either. Like, you know, like, no, it's not, it's definitely great. not an emotional tie for me. It's not an emotional yeah. thing. So, but yeah, it, it is kind of interesting. I, I don't know. I think emotional eating is something that, uh, even within the body liberation world and the intuitive eating world, there is a lot of, mm -hmm different varying opinions on. And I think it's an For interesting sure. thing to talk about, but, uh, let's head over to principle number eight. This one's respect your body. And this addition in particular added some new information, uh, where they really explicitly put labels on things like fat phobia and weight stigma, mm, which they mm -hmm. didn't do in, in, uh, the third edition. Right. So what did you think about what they talked about? I mean, this was about body diversity. This was about honoring and loving your body, treating your body like you would a, a pet or something, you know, giving it what it needed. Uh, what were your thoughts around respecting your body? So I remember in like earlier editions, something they talked about with respecting your body was like looking at the toddlers in your life and just kind of like noticing mm, that they kind of beautiful. do that. <laughs> they yeah. kind of just, they all do that. And at the time, like one of my best friends had a baby and I was watching her grow up and like make choices that were like, right. Like they know how to fucking do this stuff. Like it's not until the external voices come in that, you know, you kind of start doing all this weird mechanics with yourself. Um, you know, like when she wants a snack, she asks for one you know and uh so that was like the first step for me was to kind of be like I would never tell a baby to not eat or you know like I so I had to kind of baby myself which was kind of like a nice little cocoon phase to live in uh but then something I needed and I would really like to come have it come back is I before COVID was working part-time at a plus-sized friendly yoga studio so it was a yoga studio where most of the teachers were plus-sized most of the clients were plus-sized um and I had never I had tried yoga before yeah. and I never went back like I, yeah. I had tried it maybe five times at five different places and I just was just like oh yoga's not for me because mm -hmm. I never felt welcomed in that room and then when I found this plus-sized yoga uh, establishment it was so different and it was like wow this is what I've needed this whole time yes and again, like I can't go to a class right now and it drives me crazy. I would love to go to a plus size yoga class yes. right now. Um, you know, or like we did a Zumba party uh, one of the weeks and I was wearing a fucking crop top because like it was just a different environment. Yes. And it just was so yes. freeing to be sweating and like actually letting stuff kind of like sweat and not be in like, you know, my like three layers of spandex so that I can fit in the back of like a good life class, you know, right. like, right. you know, um, so that was huge for me is that like respecting my body is not just the movement and the eating, but like the finding of spaces that Ooh, let me relax yes. and fully experience them. Yes. Oh God. I love that. I love that. Yes. Because, uh, you know, I, I was talking to someone else the other day and we were talking about going to the gym and she was saying that, you know, she had gone to the gym before in her dieting days. And then when she kind of got more in touch with 
with intuitive eating and these types of things, she began to realize that movement is important and she wanted to go back to the gym. So she did go back to the gym. She said, the difference is that I'm going back with this idea that I'm allowed to take up space, that I'm allowed to be there. I'm allowed to have as much space as I need in order for my body to move. And that's okay. And I'm like, what a powerful thing to say because, and, and I think that this is true. Like we, our tendency is, or at least it was when I was dieting, where I would walk into a room and immediately look at the people who were thinner than I was and just give them a sense of superiority, even though they never asked for it. But I would look at them and go, well, their bodies are better. So their lives are better. So they're superior to me. And now I walk into spaces knowing that I'm just as worthy as everybody else. And for me, that's what it's about when I'm respecting my body. I'm allowed to be there. I am allowed to take up the space I need. And I'm allowed to ask the questions I need to, to get my stuff answered. You know, sometimes people are assholes, but that, totally. you know, you know, I mean, that's, that shouldn't, it does, but it shouldn't, you know, affect yeah. how I feel about myself. And sometimes that can be hard. Yeah. But I, I'm going to just call myself out on, on this. When I would do that exercise that you're talking about, where you'd walk into a room and you scan everyone, yeah. I would scan the few people larger than me and be like, well, at least there's someone larger than me. At least yes. I'm not that big. Yes. And like, what the fuck is that? Like, that is so just like a narrative built into our brain to like divide us and not be yeah. friends with each other. So and it's tr- just so true. <sighs> yes. that's exactly it. And especially for women, like women do this way more than men do. Um, and totally. that's changing. I know that that's changing because the messages coming out from everywhere are changing what men are supposed to feel like in their bodies. But for women, this was a way to keep, this is a way to keep us sedated, to keep us focused on the things that aren't, aren't important and completely divided from one another. And it's so, oh, but yes, I did the same thing. I did the same thing. Right. Was, you know, <laughs> yeah. the people who had better bodies than you were somehow superior and the people that, you know, you had, you were smaller than they were. Yeah. You didn't. Yeah. It was a superiority for sure. It was for sure. And it sucked. And it's weird because like a good, like good life really tries to advertise like, Oh, we're for everyone. We're for everybody. And I would be, I was always so uncomfortable at good life. They got so much of my money over the years. Um, when I was, I went to school in Peterborough and at, and in Peterborough, they did have a women's only good life. And I did like it. Like that was probably like the best time I had a good life. But at the Toronto ones, like I had multiple people like come up to me and tell me like how inspiring my workout was, or like I could show you how to like target the arms differently so that you would lose more weight or like, and you know, and it would make me not feel welcome and I would not go to the gym for like a month. And again, people would be like, well, that's in your head. You should just like get over it. And it's like, it's clearly not just in my head because people are coming up to me and saying things. Yes. yes. Like, <laughs> I, and that is the way. And again, that book I was telling you about before, what we don't talk about when we talk about fat, mm-hmm. she talks specifically about these kinds of things. And it's like the, 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 this was kind of her main dig with the body positivity movement too, is that this whole idea that we, you know, we should just be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and turn our own thoughts around. And we just need to love ourselves more, give everybody else the benefit of the doubt, love ourselves more. And then people's attitudes will change and we'll be in this love bubble. And that's bullshit. If, if you're in an actual larger size body, that is bullshit. Um, there are systems of oppression that do work against us and it sucks. And so, you know, and that's why she talks about body liberation and fat activism being the actual movements that are working towards taking away or eliminating, or at least trying to help the problems of systematic oppression of people who are in larger bodies. And that is totally how now when people come up to me and ask me about defining these the difference between these things. That's exactly what I say. <laughs> it's like, that's it. Nailed it. Totally nailed it. So <laughs> yeah. 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 Sophie Hagen, you know, Sophie yeah, happy Hagen. Fat. yeah. Yep. Yeah. She, she talks about that too, about like body positivity is like fat liberation 
just completely, I, I don't have it. I'll, we'll have to look it up because I used to have it written on a post-it because uh, I was worried that my, the word fat account was kind of falling into more of the body positivity space than the fat liberation space. Um, so I was kind of like worried about that balance. Uh, and then I met a new person uh, through just like a networking event and we were talking about my Instagram account and she was like, oh, I'm all about body positivity to a point. And I went, oh no, we're not going to be friends. <laughs> we're not going to be friends at all. Like That's too bad. But like, and you know, she, and again, she wasn't being malicious. She no. just was repeating something that she's heard. And, yes. but like at the same time, I don't have energy for that. No. So yeah. God, no, 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 we but, don't. Yeah. We, don't. We, can't, we can't fix or help anyone. You know, I mean, we really can't. Um, but yeah, it is, it's really sad when people say that. And that is a, a true, in my opinion, that's a true marker of someone who's really bought into body positivity is where mm. they'll, they start making those lines and saying, yeah. yes, I think everybody should love themselves unless, um, yes. in my opinion. And I think body positivity has just become way too marketable at the same oh, yeah. time. I, I use it. I mean, if I'm talking to someone who I is not bought in, uh, has never really heard about this to be able to say, well, it's body positive. Um, people can understand that they can grasp that. And if I was to launch into, well, it's a, a, it's a podcast and I do all this body image coaching is about body liberation. And it's all about the systems of oppression for fat people. It would be like whoosh and they'd be gone. Cause it'd be like, I don't really want any. So, you know, meeting them where they're at is important too, but it's just like, oh yeah. Do you really want to make the emotional investment to you know, hold people's hands and pull them along. No. Cause we're going to lose most of them anyway. Yeah, totally. It, I've, I've learned to pick like my spots, yeah. uh, which I'm really proud of myself for. Like, uh, I had a friend who, um, who shared it was, and she's, she shares lots of memes, right? She shares mm -hmm. memes all day long. That's part of her <laughs> jam. And she shared one that was like, Cindy Lauper was wrong. We women don't just want, or girls don't just want to have fun. Girls just want to eat without getting fat. Mm. And I, her and I had a have not had had and have a close relationship. So I I let it sit with me all day. I didn't just knee jerk be like, hey bitch, right, right. <laughs> but right. like I I I I because I knew I could get her. I knew she was someone who shared that who didn't quite get why, but would be open to listening to why I didn't like it. Mm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I did reach out to her and said, Hey, didn't love that meme, by the way, like, just want to let you know, like, I know you didn't mean anything malicious, but I was hurt. I was hurt when I read it because no matter what I eat, I will be fat. No matter how much I eat or how little I eat, I will always be fat. So this kind of meme really does hurt my feelings. I know facts over feelings and all that other kind of crap, but like, because she's a good friend of mine and she would never want to intentionally hurt my feelings. And I was like, Hey, this did. We had a really open and honest conversation about it. And so like, and I have noticed that like, like, you know, I have noticed a difference in some of the memes she shares yes. and stuff, you know? So, oh, um, that's wonderful. So it is just about like finding those opportunities and giving it time before you're just like, Hey, and like giving them all that anger because no one wants to receive anger. No, so that's the other thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I told not to totally. tone police anyone else. Cause I, yeah. I really do love impassioned people who can bring their anger yeah. to such a useful as a, such a yeah. useful tool. But when I'm angry, I'm just like a sputtering water fountain. Yeah, and I, I don't, don't make any sense. I don't convince anybody of shit when I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> I exactly. just, they just go, well, who's the one who's yeah. acting so bizarrely over there? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. no, I don't. I, and, and that's, the, the problem is that I get angry. I don't convince anybody else. And then I get frustrated and mad at myself. Mm. And I think I'm doing Aww. a disservice to this, oh, no. to all this wonderful stuff yeah. that we all do. Right. So, you know, I have started 
boundaries are a really important thing for me. And I have started to be pretty clear about my boundaries and my own mental health has started to take a priority, Nice, which, um, you know, it makes a difference. It totally makes a difference, but yeah, it can be, you know, I mean, like you said, you got to pick the people that you are going to have these conversations with, not do it when you're like completely riled up and just see where it goes. And hopefully, you know, plant some seeds. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So body respect, I knew was going to be a heavy one because I feel like they went there in the book. (laughs) I really do. I feel like they really touched Mm -hmm. on some really deep things. And so, you know, it, it's definitely a, you know, it's definitely a a deep topic, Mm -hmm. but then they go to the last two principles are kind of about the things, I guess, that most people would expect to hear the words about in a, in a diet book anyway, but they take them in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So principle nine is all about body movement. So what is your relationship been like with exercise and what did you think of how they handled it in, in the book or in the course that you took? Uh, so for me, I definitely uh, loved exercise as a kid. Like I was biking all the time. I, you know, I had lots of like, well, there's all these videos of me lip syncing in my basement uh, when I was a kid, because that was like a really big hobby of mine. And then like somewhere along the way, I learned that I was too chubby for like hanging out with the boys and going biking or going to the beach with my girlfriends. Like there's all these things that because I was a chubby kid, even though I was an active kid, Mm -hmm. the doors started being slammed. Like I couldn't find a bathing suit in the summer after eighth grade. So I I wore like boys board shorts and like Spider-Man t-shirts to the beach, which is not cute. That's not a cute look, you know, but like, that's what I had for swimwear and like online shopping didn't exist. So I, I now am so thankful, like, even though clothes are such a surface issue for fat liberation, like they open these doors back up. And I'm mad that they were ever closed. Like I loved hiking as a kid. And now I can't like, I can hike maybe a good two to five kilometer hike. But I remember as a kid knocking out like, like 15 kilometer hikes over the weekend, especially like I grew up north of Toronto. I grew up in Sudbury, Ontario. So lots of like outside stuff to do there. And now it's like, so challenging to get back into it, but I really do like it. And I don't want to go back to the gym. And I like the one thing I would like to have, as I said earlier, was access to classes again, just because like, I did like the social element of it. And I did like feeling welcomed and yoga is not something I can do in my apartment right now. Cause there just isn't the space there. It's, it's, we have two people working from home. It's a one bedroom apartment. We also have a dog. There's just, there's only so much right so yeah an exercise space was the first space that kind of got commandeered like so you know it's just but I would I do look forward to the summer coming back Mm -hmm. (laughs) in Mm -hmm. Ontario uh, Mm -hmm. because what I do like to do is take really long walks with my dog so not necessarily like a hike but like a very long walk along the harbor front or stuff like that just helps me feel so much better. Um, I like we're going out now, but like she's a tiny little dog. She can't handle the winter for much longer than about half an hour at a time. Right, right. Um, so, you know, uh, but I would like to be able to do more challenging routes with her. And right now I can't. And I would like like right now I'm not feeling as. I don't want to use the word healthy, but like as strong or as flexible as I did a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, like COVID has really like literally like cramped me in as opposed to like, uh, like it's physically made me feel cramped in. So like in that way, I just want to find more activities that I love and get back into them. Uh, whether it's like dancing in my apartment while I empty the dishwasher, like just something. Cause like, but before there was such a <sighs> transactional, like I would say for a good 15 years <laughs> of my life, movement was transactional. It was to earn food or earn a pound lost, you know? And now that I don't have that same motivation, uh, sometimes it isn't easy to get moving because the self-hatred was a really easy way to light that match of like, okay, you got to get to the gym. Like, but yes. now it's like the self-love 
does help me work out, but not in that same fiery way, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, There was something about the self-hatred that was motivating me in a way that it shouldn't have been. Uh, But without it, I still do want to work out. So I guess that's where I'm at with movement right now. (laughs) Was that a hard mind shift to make? Like once you started with intuitive eating and everything started to get going, was it fairly easy to make that shift or did it actually take a lot of energy for you to make that shift? I think it took a lot. Like I think the intuitive eating part was so about the eating for me and not as much about the movement. Um, But like, I'm just so mad. I'm so mad that like 15 years of my life were stolen by like only making weight the focus. Like if I had kept biking through high school, if I had kept like swimming every weekend had I kept up with these activities I'd be so much healthier now and not thinner like that's like I like I need to get out of this mindset that like oh maybe I would be smaller had I kept up with those activities you know but I will say like with intuitive eating now I do find that like eating past the point of comfort so like feeling the fullness does impact my ability to move so that in that way it kind of works together um, yeah. What about you? Oh gosh, my, I could <laughs> fill a podcast episode with my, uh, stuff with exercise. I, uh, was diagnosed with an eating disorder at one point and it was, uh, atypical bulimia. And the atypical part was because of the amount of, I, I wouldn't purge with, I wouldn't purge by throwing up. I would purge by doing exercise. So my relationship with exercise was pretty distraught and I actually had to take a good chunk of time off from exercise and I'm still only now starting to come back to figuring out how to move my body in a way that's pleasurable without attaching it to anything in terms of weight loss. So, so honestly, exercise has been very difficult for me, very difficult. And I still have a hard time not attaching it to something, which is so weird because I don't attach my food anymore to my weight. I don't do that. I don't feel that same thing but I do with my exercise. And so that's how I know I'm maybe not a thousand percent ready to come back to doing it. So, I, I mean, I do, I do a little bit when I feel like it, but that's, that's it. It's sort of like when I feel like it, which with the, the busy life I've got going on and everything, <laughs> it, it gets pushed to the back and right. Yeah. I'm okay with it. It is what it is, but <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, um, it's definitely an interesting relationship with me. And it's, it's tough. Cause I was actually reading their um, description of overtraining and somebody with the overexercising that was me. So I'm like, I, I get that. I, I, you know, and, and I'm actually at a point where I think when the first time I read it again, I was arguing with the book going, well, yeah, that might be me, but that's not me. Like, no, 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 I don't have a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So it's kind of an emotional reaction when I read the exercise chapter, but I think they do a good job in, in giving people some kind of guidelines and it, it definitely helps for me to read that because I've right. talked about another podcast. I don't feel intuitive movement is discussed enough in body liberation. I feel we really focus on the food and that's fine. We need to, but I do feel like intuitive movement is its own thing. And I think we need to talk about it more. So yeah, I was going to say, I guess my biggest concern is that like, I don't feel comfortable exercising in public. Like, I really want a backyard right now. And I say it's because I want my backyard for my dog, but it's not. I want to, like, do <laughs> jumping jacks and squats in an area that, like, doesn't disturb my downstairs neighbors and doesn't disturb people who are going to walk by and say something about my body, even though I've done all this work and I don't care. But, like, I feel to be exercising in public is inviting those comments and that is still a mental block for me like there is fields around my apartment that I could be using for yoga if I really cared that much is you know that that mentality's there too um but I do care I just I almost care too much I don't want someone to be like oh you can't use this field for that like 
you know you're just like some chunky girl doing yoga out here and also like why do you even think you're doing yoga why do like you shouldn't be doing yoga you should be doing cardio and again I want to tell those people to just fuck off but like part of me is still holding myself back from enjoying a space that I should be able to just enjoy oh yeah Oh, absolutely. I mean, we don't, we don't get away from those voices just because we've healed parts of ourselves. Yeah. It's still there. And and like you said, I mean, I, I get worried that I would draw attention to myself and, and, and if I drew, drew attention to myself, then that's when I feel like people would be open for comment. And yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. I'm not sure as it is. I, I struggle sometimes with Cause I would like to go walking a bit more than I do. Right. And I'd love to get back into running. I know for a while I really like to run, but what mm. happened with my body is as I started to gain weight, I gained a massive amount of weight in my boobs. Like I have ginormous boobs, like, like right. ginormous <laughs> and I, same thing. I am held back from even attempting to run because I know that I'm going to start running and somebody's going to make a comment about my boobs, even with a really, really supportive bra, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Like I know that, that they're very obviously moving around. Like the girls don't stay still, you know? (laughs) So, you know, it is what it is. There's not a lot I can do about that, but I, that's, I mean, all of those things you just brought up. Yes, totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's finish off with the last principle about gentle nutrition. So when you read this yeah. one and we're taught this one, I, she talks about how clients sometimes come in and they're worried that the, the rug's going to be pulled out from under them. Did you have any feelings like that when you read this chapter or when this was introduced? I guess at this point, I was kind of like, again, being like, oh, here we go. Here's the fine print. <laughs> it was kind yeah. of my mental, uh, but then it was a fine chapter. The only thing I like kind of wrote here is like, I, I no longer choose exciting foods. Um, and not just because of their like specialness or whatever else, mm-hmm. but like, I used to love hot sauce and uh like hot sauce jalapenos spicy foods like i loved spicy food um but now that i'm eating for like all of my organs (laughs) and not just my tongue (laughs) and my brain right um I don't eat spicy foods and they aren't as exciting. Um, but at the get, but then I get to have a more exciting life because I'm not, again, not spending so much time on the toilet being like, Oh my gosh, what is with the spicy food? Um, you know, so it's, it is honoring my health. I, I, again, it's so weird to think about, but like, yeah, there's something about eating for like all organs, which I know it sounds so gross to say it that way, but like, yeah, that, that has stuck with me. Yes. Like when I do feel the impulse to like eat the entire thing of ice cream, like I'll be like, oh, but like, I want it. Like I'll, I'll, I'll almost go through like a body scan of like my brain wants it. My tongue wants it. My childhood heart wants it my stomach does not <laughs> like, mm, and not because my stomach that. is like bulging or anything not no. because I have a chubby belly, but like literally like the, the organ that is my stomach would be very unhappy if I ate the entire pint of ice cream, mm. you know, like. I love yeah. that so much. I love that. I, <laughs> I think I thought the chapter would be different when they started with the story about the client and the rug pulling out. And then they got mm. into all these things about, um, Oh, the, the, the community that ate, like they cooked with lard instead of cooking with oil and they ate Italian ham. And then, and and yet they had very low instances of heart disease or heart attack. And the finding was that it had to do with social connection, that they were also, you know, so much interaction there and so much social stuff going on that people felt really cared for. And therefore those things were very diminished. So the food really didn't have as much impact as I think our Western culture likes to place on it. And that was kind of their whole point. They, they talk about Michael Phelps and how he ate so much food and yet most of the food he ate, you know, most people would look at and go, Oh, well, that's a lot of junk food or a lot of food people wouldn't quote unquote 
say is healthy. And yet he was able to accomplish amazing things. And their point being that one food isn't going to make you unhealthy or healthy. It, it, it really isn't. And food really accounts for very little of our health in general. And I, I guess that's when it sort of sunk in was like, oh yeah. Okay. So what you're saying is that, yes, this is great. Like, yeah. Okay. We drink more water, whatever, whatever. But the reality is, is that it's not going to make a huge difference to your health. It just might make you feel better, which is the whole point of intuitive eating. Right. Anyway. (laughs) And it takes so long for that to sink in. (laughs) Yeah. um, It was so funny. I was even, as I was like getting ready to meet with you today, I was thinking about just the idea of like, living to feel good instead of to look good and how Mm. like we Mm. just we I don't know like I still like I mean I still put on a bit of makeup to see you today because like I was excited to actually have like a new person in my life (laughs) (laughs) but you know like that's but it's not because I wanted to like look good for you it's that I know I feel good when I've like made myself up a little bit. So I'm going to be more charismatic when I feel good. And so it's, it's really, yeah, that's kind of something I, I wish was praised more. And it's not about like feeling good and like gorging all the time. Like that's cause like for so long, that's how I felt good because I was so deprived that when I let my guard down and let myself gorge, that's when I felt good. And now it's like, no, I feel good at least for a bit every day, you know? So, and that's just different. It's just a different way to live. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's finish. I've got two questions. Let's, let's start with this one. How has your life changed? Like now, what does your life look like? That's different. That's a good thing because of intuitive eating. Like what is intuitive eating really done for you? Uh, intuitive eatings allowed me to like eat throughout the day as opposed to just saving it all up for one big like event. (laughs) And it's allowed me to just look at different aspects of my life that I was unhappy with. Um, like I definitely had put a lot of stock into the idea that once I lost a lot of weight, I would be happy. But through intuitive eating, I have found that the barriers to my happiness were not weight related at all. Mm. So, I mean, I mean, not, not at all. There's still like maybe 10% of it, but I think I was like a hundred percent before. Like I really do feel that from age 14 to 24, 25, Mm -hmm. 26, 27, 28, I definitely just thought like I hadn't found the right diet. Like I just need to be thin. And once I'm thin, Mm -hmm. all these other aspects of my life that feel Mm -hmm. really out of control and really overwhelming, they'll all magically go away. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like setting myself up for failure because every time I didn't achieve that very unrealistic goal, I would be so sad. And now that my goals are not based on that, I am achieving them and I am finding happiness. I am having stronger relationships with friends and family members. And like, I, I want to say I would have found that without intuitive eating, but I don't think I would have, I think I'd, I'd be, you know, five years further along had, had my doctor not put me in the class. I think I'd still be chasing this idea of like, once my body's thinner, I would be happier. And I no longer have that fantasy, I guess. That is so wonderful. Thank God for your doctor. Wow. (laughs) She's amazing. Okay. So last question on intuitive eating. Okay, great. Somebody listens to this interview. They're like, hey, this sounds great. I'll pick up the book. Mm. Where should they start? I would not suggest by picking up the book. The book is Mm. quite heavy. Um, I would find an intuitive eating coach in your neighborhood or area uh, that can maybe introduce you to some of the concepts. Uh, And then also start, actually, I wouldn't suggest YouTube, just YouTubing intuitive eating is not good. Um, (laughs) But I would say there's a video on YouTube called 
yes, poodle science is where people should start uh, with intuitive eating if uh, they're brand new to it. Um, hopefully you have someone with you to like work through this stuff because like I'm five years in and sometimes even when I read it, I'm like, Ugh, how, how is this the solution? Because it seems too basic based mm -hmm. on everything we've been taught about eating at this right. point. Um, it's kind of like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a challenging book to read, especially if you're new to anti-dieting, if you're new to even just reading a book. Like I find, I know a lot of people like after high school and even university, they kind of stop reading. So if like reading isn't your jam, I wouldn't just jump into this book because it's, it's a heavy read. Not that they, I will say this was uh, like, I liked it because I was familiar with the content already. So I kind of read through it quickly, but if you're brand new to intuitive eating, I wouldn't just jump into the fourth edition of this book uh, to get started on that journey. Yes, yes, yes. Good, good point. All. <laughs> let's say somebody read this one they yeah. made their way through it they did right. all the work they did what they could and they're really interested in this kind of stuff do you have another book that you would recommend that they read I just started the fuck it diet by Carolyn Dooner uh and uh I'm only like two chapters in but so far I'm just laughing and loving it uh and I love her Instagram page uh yeah. so yeah, that'd probably be the next one. Uh, you know, I would love to have a discussion with you when you're done that one, because sure. I found, I found for me uh, that the fuck it diet was a lot more accessible to me mm. than intuitive eating was. For sure. And I would love to know, because I think I asked the girl who I, because I, I did do that one on the show and, and I had a, a, a woman on here mm -hmm. and I did ask her, I was like, so you, she had read them both. And I said, what do you think is the fuck it diet, like a replacement for intuitive eating? Mm. Can they complement one another? Like I'd be interested to know your thoughts on that when you're done, but such a good book. I totally <laughs> wholeheartedly agree. That's an awesome book. Great. <laughs> um, okay. So let's just finish up where, sure. you know, where people can find you. What have you got going on? Where can they Great. find you? What all your stuff is right now? <laughs> uh, I mostly live on Instagram. I would love to actually have my own website uh, by the end of this year. I would love to actually set up something more like in the space. I love your website, by the way. It's so good. Oh, thank um, you. But uh, I am on Instagram as shadowball, S-H-A-D-O-E-B-A-L-L as well as at the word fat, new art every Friday. Uh, but if you wanna make your own piece of art, it's not hard. It's just write the word fat on something, like do it electronically, do it with a pen and paper, do whatever you want. If you send it to me and want it posted, I will share it. <laughs> um, and also uh, if you are a sucker for dogs of Instagram, which I am, uh, you can follow Tiny Gertie, who's my uh, little tiny chihuahua, mix uh and she has her own instagram account and lots of attitude so so cute so cute well i'll make sure all of those are posted down below uh so right. all people have to do is scroll down and click that's that they can Amazing. find you in all those ways uh i should ask you too um about the anthology that you're in can you talk a little oh, bit about that so nice um, yeah, I'm in an anthology put out by Caitlin Press, which is a feminist uh, publisher in BC. Uh, the anthology is called Big Stories About Life and Plus-Sized Bodies. And uh, my entry is called Stranger Words. And it is about how I started my WordFat account um, and about like some of the stuff we talked about earlier about how like we shouldn't let stranger words affect us, but we also can't ignore it if they do. Because if it does, you just have to honor it as opposed to try and push it out because pushing it out always has this weird negative impact. Yes. And I love the anthology. That's why I had to make sure we got um, it in here. So great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on to Fat Girl Book Club. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. That was such a cool discussion. It's interesting when authors come out with another edition to be able to bring someone on and have a discussion about the same book with some changes, as you heard, 
but it is kind of the same concepts, but the discussion goes in totally different directions. As I told you in part one, I had another discussion about this book with Amanda Murphy about intuitive eating using the third edition. And we had a great discussion. I mean, it was really lovely to be able to go through the principles with an intuitive eating coach and talking a lot about what people can do to understand the concepts involved in, in that book. But this discussion was personal. This discussion was one woman's journey through these principles. And I think that that was so interesting to me to just hear what Shadow's gone through, not only in how she came to find intuitive eating, but what she's taken away from it years later. I hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as I did. Please don't forget that if you like this and you'd like a little bit more about starting a body liberation journey, there are two main resources for you at the top of my website, iwishiwereme.com. You can grab a copy of the Your Better Body Image Checklist. That's completely free and it gets you on my email list and it gets you into the free virtual book club. You can also book a coaching call with me, no obligation, 30-minute phone call to give you some real practical tips on your body image journey. And with that, my friends, keep reading, everyone. <laughs>